this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Do you know the gifts that God has given you? Or is that even maybe a foreign concept? Like, well, I've never really thought about it, or I I don't know. Are you discovering your place in the body of Christ? Everybody has a place. Everybody has a gifting. Everybody has a calling. And look, unless you're in this place that I'm talking about, your Christian life is going to be boring. It's going to be boring. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of 1 Corinthians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, in a message titled, One Body, Many Members. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Let's go back and remember In the church in Corinth, there were divisions and there were squabbles and and they were over things like who was the best preacher? Who was the best leader? Who had the greater gifts? These are the kinds of things that were going on in the church. So it became like a competition. Who's got the better gift? Hey, my gift's better than yours. Well, that gift doesn't really, that, that doesn't do much. That's, that's not anything. So these are the kinds of things that Paul is addressing here. So he reminds them through the analogy of the human body that we who are Christ's body are all one. We as God's people, listen, you've heard me say this before. (laughs) Let me remind you, we are all on the same team. You know, if you have a team and you have players on the field that are competing, not against the opponent, but against themselves, the team's not gonna do too well. No, the important thing on the team is that everybody does the best in their position. If I'm on the team and I just suddenly decide, you know, I think I should be in a different position, and I jump over and try to knock the guy out of his place and take it, that's going to create a problem. We're on the same team. We're all part of the same family. We're all fighting the same battle against a common enemy, the devil. So instead of being envious and jealous of one another, we need to be thankful and supportive of each other. And so in the verses that we read, Paul reminds us that though we are many different members, we are one body. We are one body. So let's look. We're going to make our way through these verses. Um, So let's look at them together. So in verses 12 through 14, look what Paul says. He says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So Paul is reminding us that we've all been baptized. We've all been together brought into the body of Christ. And notice he says, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, these were dividing distinctions in the culture outside the church. Jews and Gentiles were divided. They did not associate with one another. Slave and free were divided. They did not associate with one another. That's what you were. But all of us now have been baptized together into one body. So those distinctions that exist out there no longer exist here to the point that they divide us. Now, we don't lose our identity. We don't become a, you know, we're, we're, we still might be Jews or we still might be Gentiles or we still might be male or we still might be female or slave or free or whatever the case is. That still might be our, our position in life, but it doesn't divide in the church like it did in the world. That's what Paul is reminding us of here. The old distinctions that brought division are gone. And then in verses 15 through 25, Paul focuses on the unity and harmony of the body of Christ, but he uses the human body by way of analogy. And so just as God put the human body together, so he has also put Christ's body, the church, together. That is simple. That, that's what Paul is wanting us to see here. And so verse 15, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, here it is. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. That's so important for us to realize God has placed people in the body. Now, the placing in the body and the members that Paul is talking about, this is tied back to the giftings. And as we see at the end of the chapter where he goes on and he talks about apostles and prophets and teachers and so forth. So the context is the gift. So what he's saying is just as God has put together our human bodies and they're perfectly put together and they function when all of the members are working, they're all working together. So that's the way the body of Christ is. God has distributed the gifts based on his will and his sovereignty and his knowing of all things. Now, 
Verses 22 through 24 are a bit difficult to comprehend, just to get exactly what Paul is saying. So let me read them. I'll start in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 22, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. Now, I've been reading the Bible a long time. I've been teaching the Bible a long time. These passages are still a little bit fuzzy. Okay, like, now, what is Paul saying here? So I want us to just be able to get a clearer understanding. So first, let me quote to you from a writer, theologian named Gordon Fee. He has a great commentary on 1 Corinthians. And, and this is what he says about these verses. And he's right. He says, Paul's point here is that some people of allegedly superior rank think they can get along without some others in the community. On the contrary, says Paul, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the more indispensable. In terms of the analogy, Paul almost certainly has in mind, and this is the question, what is Paul talking about? Well, he tells us, and I think he's right. Paul almost certainly has in mind the internal organs, which are full of weakness, but are indispensable to there being any bodily function at all. Crucial to his argument is the fact that they only seem to be weaker. Paul's point seems to be that such apparent weakness has no relationship to their real value and necessity of the body or a necessity to the body. Appearances deceive, Paul is saying. If one removed an organ because it appeared weak, the body would cease to be whole. So with the church, all parts are necessary, no matter what one may think. And so look at verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So it's a, it's a simple illustration. It's a simple analogy, but it's, it's a good one, isn't it? Because it just causes us to stop and realize, oh, yeah, obviously. You know, if one part of my body suffers, my whole body suffers. And so we are one body with many members. And each member, just like each member of the body, has a function a God-given function, a God-given task, mission, purpose to fulfill so that the body is all that it potentially can be. You know, I am convinced of this, honestly. I am convinced if the church could get healthy the impact that we could have on the world would be so much greater. You know, when you have a healthy body, you can do stuff. You can do lots of stuff. 
But when you have a frail, sick, weak body, there's, there's not much you can do. And when the body of Christ is frail and weak and sick because of all these divisions and things, it's hard to gain any ground. It's hard to make any headway. But if the church itself could just become healthy, and it can, it can become healthy if we just realize these things. And if we let the Spirit of God apply these truths to us, and if we allow God to change our hearts and to convict us and to take the jealousy out of us and the envy out of us and the competitive out of us and just get the bigger picture of, man, we're all part of what God is doing in the world and we need to love each other and that, that's part of what he's doing. So in the final verses, we come to Paul talking about God's placement in the church, verses 27 through 30. And so now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and God has placed in the church. So again, let's remember that. God is placed in the church. God calls people and he gives people. He, play, he places people. And in the kind of church that we want to have, the kind of church that we read about in the scripture, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the people that God has raised up and gifted and placed Now, Paul, having spoken of this equality among the members, did not intend to negate order, structure, or authority within the church. So that's not what Paul is doing. We need to make sure that we simultaneously recognize that God has set up an order and an authority structure, but we never abuse it or we never think that because God has set up a structure, it's based upon, well, I'm better than you or you're less than me. And that's why I'm this and you're that. But Paul goes on and he says that he is placed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. So he's showing that there, you know, God has put things together orderly. But again, the point is not to abuse authority, but rather to use it for the glory of God and the building up of the body of Christ. Now, We looked last time at the different gifts and the manifestations. We looked at, you remember, word of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy and healing and those things. And some of them are repeated here. Other things are included here that were not there. So again, Paul is simply recognizing that although there is an equality, there is also order. There is a unity in diversity That's a a way to look at it as well. But what Paul says here, well, he goes on and then he asks a series of rhetorical questions. Verse 29, are all apostles? The answer to every one of these questions is no. Not everyone's an apostle. Not everyone's a prophet. Not everyone's a teacher. Not everyone works miracles. Not everyone does healing. Not everyone speaks in tongues. Not everyone interprets. So just showing, again, that there's this diversity. God's given a diversity. 
But then he says this. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. So that's what I want to close with. Desiring the gifts. Do we desire these gifts? Do we really want to know our place in the body of Christ? Or do we want to be content to just sit in the stands and spectate? Do we want to know our position on the team? Or do we want to just show up at the game and watch everyone else play? That's a serious question. A lot of people that go to church, they go to church like they go to a football game or a basketball game or a concert. They go there to spectate. They go there to watch. They go there to listen. They go there to to get some, most of the time, something for themselves, never thinking that they actually have something to give. Every one of you have something to give. Now, of course, we come to receive as well. But if we only come to receive, then we're just like the people coming to watch the game. But the biblical picture is that we are players in the game. We are members of the team. We have a position. And so, again, do we desire the gifts? Do we want to know, God, what is it that you have created me for? What is it that you've saved me for? What is it that you are calling me to? Do you know the gifts that God has given you? Or is that even maybe a foreign concept? Like, well, I've never really thought about it, or I I don't know. Are you discovering your place in the body of Christ? Everybody has a place. Everybody has a gifting. Everybody has a calling. And look, unless you're here in this place that I'm talking about, your Christian life is going to be boring. It's going to be boring. There's not really much to it. Little church attendance here, maybe a Bible reading here or there, something like that, maybe tuning in and hearing a worship song occasionally. You know, what is the point of that? No, God is calling us to be fully engaged as members of the body. And so what does he say? He says eagerly or earnestly or passionately desire the gifts. Lord, what do you want to do with my life? That's a question that every one of us need to ask. Lord, what do you have for me? What did you create me for? What did you save me for? What purpose do you have for me to fulfill? Lord, I want to know. Show me. That's earnestly desiring. That's passionately desiring. And as we think about the possibilities and as we consider the gifts that God makes available, Paul says, desire the greatest ones. What are the greatest ones? 
The greatest ones are the ones that build up the body. So Paul's saying, desire those that build up the body. And maybe he's even addressing slightly the issue of tongues because there was a lot of excitement about tongues in the Corinthian church, but tongues predominantly built up the individual versus the other gifts that build up the body. So maybe he's addressing that slightly there. But then he's going to go on in verse 31 and say, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. So he's got more to say about this. And the most excellent way is the 13th chapter, which is the great chapter on love. But we often fail to realize that this great chapter on love that is many times quoted at a wedding or some other event, it is the context of it is the gifts of the spirit in the body of Christ. And we will dive deeply into that in a couple of weeks. But this is what I want to challenge you with today as your friend, as your pastor. Are you earnestly desiring the gifts? Are you saying, Lord, I want, and maybe, God, I I want the gift of encouragement. God, I want the gift of mercy. God, I feel I've had this kind of administrative thing, but I want to use this for you, for your glory. But God has given to you a gift as well, whatever it might be. Earnestly desire whatever it is that God might have for you and recognize that the body without your participation is not fully functioning because you're part of the body. And if you're not doing your part, then the body isn't fully functioning. So get in and do your part. Ask the Lord what that is. When I came to this church in my late teens, early 20s, I didn't have the slightest idea what I was called or gifted to do. But, you know, I came earnestly desiring to do something, do something to serve the Lord. And he opened doors and he directed me and he put me in places and took me step by step. And finally it became clear, oh yeah, okay, this is what God's called me to do. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you're in your 60s or older or in the middle of life somewhere or if you're younger. There's always time to get plugged in and to get going with what God has. And now let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, we're offering a book from our good friend, Charlie Campbell. Yes, Charlie Campbell is the director of Always Be Ready, which is an apologetics ministry. And One we recommend a lot. Yeah, we recommend it a lot. And this is a one-minute answer to skeptics. Now, Charlie has done this book, and this is like a revised version, answering 50 of the top objections and questions kind of current things. You know, things change over time. There are different arguments and things. And what I like about this book is it's, it's an updated current addressing a lot of the things that people are 
kind of throwing out there today as their objections to Christianity. And some of the topics that Charlie covers in this is why doesn't God just appear to us in a public setting and prove he exists? Or the New Testament authors, did they steal details of Jesus' life story from other ancient religions? This is what some skeptics say. Or that the God of the Old Testament commanded the Israelites to commit genocide? Or that the Bible condones slavery? So these are real issues in our society today, and Charlie tells you a biblical answer for these things, and it's great. Yep. So great little one-minute answer to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. That's our offer for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell. You can order the book One-Minute Answers to Skeptics by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, and then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book One Minute Answers to Skeptics by Charlie Campbell to help equip you to defend the faith. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights when we welcome back Pastor Char Broderson as we study together in the book of 1 Corinthians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.